Well, good morning, everybody. Good to see you all here. It's good to be back. <laughs> all right. Yeah, it's good to be back to see all your happy faces. You know, I would like to openly thank the church for the many prayers you have prayed for me while I've been at school. Those prayers were no doubt, you know, a big part of, of God getting me through my first year at Ambassador Baptist College. You know, each time I come back, it seems that the church is, is flourishing. And the reason why I say that is I've seen new faces, new visitors are coming. The congregation is responsive during the preaching and excited. If you are here this morning and are a mother, would you, would you please raise your hand? All the moms. Okay, there's a good amount of moms. Hi, mom. <laughs> All right, you can, put, you can put them down now. You know, I would like to thank uh, you moms for your unconditional love. Uh, several of you have gone through things and had to fight battles that only you and God really know about. I am thankful uh, for the things my mother has taught me, and I'm sure many of you can relate to this. <laughs> Thank you, Mom. All right, so I'm, uh, let's see, my mother taught me about weather. The room looks like a tornado went through here. <laughs> my, mom, my mom taught me about anticipation. Just wait till you get home. <laughs> my mom taught me about receiving. You're just going to get it when we get home. My mother taught me about religion. You better pray that will come out of the carpet. <laughs> All right. So the message, you know, I would like to preach today is entitled The Antidote for Anxiety. The Antidote for anxiety. Now, in preparing for this message, I was praying and, and thinking about where, where do you want me to preach from, God? What is it that, that the church needs? What is it that I need? And in preparing for this message, uh, while praying, uh, God made it clear to me, the end of Matthew chapter 6 is where I want you to preach from. And specifically, Matthew 6, uh, chapter 6 and verse 33. Okay. Now, what is an antidote? If you do a quick research of what an antidote is, it is a cure. It is something that makes something better. Okay, if you get sick, you go and get an antidote, you know, something that makes you better. And so, yeah, we'll be going to Matthew chapter 6. I turn, I hear Bible pages turning. That is a wonderful noise to hear Bible pages turning. And so, as I begin to... Um, or actually, uh, I'll go ahead and read, starting in Matthew 6 and, and verse 24. Let me get there. I used a Bible marker, so learned that in Bible college, how to use a Bible marker. <laughs> All right. No man can serve two masters, for he will either hate the one... For he, he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Mammon's a Babylonian term for like money. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body what ye shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body more than raiment? I just wanted to um, bring out this word thought where it says take no thought. That means uh, to be anxious, to be anxious, take no thought. So basically do not be anxious. Behold, the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not more, much more better than they? 
Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? And why take ye thought for raiment that's clothes? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they toil not, neither do they spin. It's getting to be springtime, or it's already springtime, but flowers are growing. So we can see that, that there's flowers growing outside. They make the grass look so much better. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore, take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek, the Gentiles, the unbelievers, the unsaved. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much uh, for church. I thank you so much that I have a relationship with you. Uh, Lord, I just uh, pray that... That I would fade into the background, that your word would go forth, that you would be high and lifted up, that you would get all the glory. Uh, Work in hearts today, please. Give me the words to say. Lord, we thank you and love you, and in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. So according to a couple of websites I have visited, the most common mental illness, as they call it, is anxiety. I know that all of us have been anxious before and know what the feeling is like. Let me give you a brief definition of anxiety. Anxiety is a feeling of worry, nervousness, or unease, typically about an imminent event or something that is or something with an uncertain outcome. As I get into the message, I would like to say that although some of the stuff I say throughout the message will sound as if the Bible is against working. You know, like going to work, have a job. However, that is not the case. God wants us to work and does not condone laziness. In Genesis 2.15, you need not turn there. It says, and the Lord God took man and he put him into the Garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. You see, we are to work. The purpose of this message is to encourage the believer in Christ to not let their minds be filled with anxious thoughts but instead to utilize the antidote found in God's word. These anxious thoughts can take us by surprise and consume our minds with worry and fear, causing us to doubt God. So here, if we go to verse uh, 25... Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat, or what ye shall drink, nor for your body, what ye shall put on. Is not life more than meat, and the body than raiment? Is your life just about food? Are you always thinking about your next meal? How about your clothes? I remember back when I was in high school, I would get anxious about what clothes I would wear. Maybe you experienced this with some of you that have teens. <laughs> and uh, the clothes had to be in style and they had to be clean. And if they were not, I would get frustrated. 
Jesus says here in verse 25, is not the life more than meat and the body more than raiment. There is more to life than just eating and wearing clothes, just the, the physical things. Here I, uh, I took a part from Matthew Henry's commentary. It says it, it emanates or emanates that is to make known how pleasing it is to Christ and of how much concern it is to ourselves that we should live without carefulness, full of care, live without full of care. We are not to be full of care for the things of the world. God knows that we have physical needs and he will meet those according to his will. And our definition of a need may be different from God's. Now, not only does he meet those according to his will, but he promises to meet the needs of the believer. He promises to. Let's read verse 32. For all those, um, for all these things do the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knoweth what things ye have that ye, uh, knoweth that ye have need of all these things. Now, if we cruise over, you need not turn there, but uh, Matthew 6 and verse 8. Be not ye therefore like unto them, for your heavenly Father knoweth what things ye have need of before ye ask him. So in application, many times I had to pray when I was going through Bible college. I said, Lord, you know my needs. I, you know, I, I know you will take care of me and things like that. So God knows our needs before we even come to him. It's amazing. So seek God and put good thoughts into your mind actively. We can see here in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8. You can turn there if you want to. You need not to. I'll read it. It says, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report. If there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. Here we have a list of things to think on. You know, whatsoever is true. Well, what is true? The Bible said that God's word is truth. Jesus is truth. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. We can think about God. We can think about Jesus, how great he is, everything he has done for us in our life. The things that we, that we um, didn't have to experience. The things that we get. Care. I just wanted to do a quick definition of care. So it's serious attention or consideration applied to doing something correctly or to avoid damage or risk. Serious attention or consideration applied to doing something correctly or to avoid damage or risk. We may be able to weaken our anxious thoughts with our reason. We may be able to reason it out in our mind. But it is only by active faith in the triune God will these anxious thoughts be expelled. Let's see, verse, let's see verse 30. Wherefore, if God so clothe the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O 
ye of little faith. I remember sitting in my car when I was out in Bible college. Sometimes, you know, there's so much things to do. Life can be so active, so chaotic. So many things demand our attention, our focus. And we can quick to be forgetful of God's word and praying to him, the one who, um, who, who, um, wants us to be in a relationship with us, the one who wants us to, to provide for us, to care for us, to wants to hear our needs. Cast your burden upon the Lord, knoweth you not that he careth for you. And so when I was sitting in my car, I was sitting in, in there and I was looking out to the field and when I'm in North Carolina, they have different, these are beautiful flowers. I'm, this is, goes along with the illustration, okay? So these are like nice flowers. These are real nice flowers. So I'm sitting, I was sitting in my car, and I was looking out the, the windshield, and I'm, I'm, I'm looking at this field that usually during the wintertime and during the things, it's like just totally, you know, brown and, you know, kind of just real, like, hard, and there's, you know, things like that. But during the springtime, all the flowers were up, and I was reading this verse. Many times I had to go to this just particular passage in Scripture because I took this verse with me. Brother Tim said, you need to get a verse. It would be good to get a verse to take with you to, to college and to claim that as, as you know, your verse to you through college. And um, I took Matthew 6.33, but as I looked out the windshield and saw the flowers, I said, that is amazing. And I just meditated, just thought about how God, these, this field that is of not really any significance, it's just a field. But he takes the time to clothe it with flowers and to make it so beautiful. And that's just our God. That's just our God. Amen. So Genesis, yes, I just wanted to recap on this, that friends, this message is not condoning laziness, but rather how to get rid of anxious thoughts. God wants us to work. It is by design. And the verse that was in uh, Genesis 2.15 I read earlier, but what does verse 28 say? It says, And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they toil not, or how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. You see there we can say, you see, Jesus says that they are not toiling. You know, um, they're not spending, they're not doing anything in God, but it's to put the emphasis on that God is providing. Because in other verses, when we connect it, the Bible tells us to work as we looked at in Genesis 2.15. Anxiety is nothing new. There have been anxious people since the time of Christ. <laughs> Anxiety was a big enough hindrance and a distraction. Therefore, Jesus preached on it. This is a, a, his Sermon on the Mount chapters Matthew 5 through 7 and in the middle we got here Jesus is preaching about anxiety and now we can go to Isaiah 26 3 I'll turn there you need not turn there it says thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee you see when you keep Jesus on your mind you don't have to have these anxious and worried thoughts because he you trust in him he will take care of you Jesus calms the storms with his, with his word. Now, I'm going to read a, a lengthier passage here, but, and I'll turn to it. You need not turn. If you want to turn to follow along. You know what? Let's go here and turn and follow along. Um, uh, chapter, Luke chapter 8, verses 22 through 35, please. 
And here we, sh- here we have a passage of Scripture, and most of us may be familiar with it, but we can see what happens when people become anxious, but also what happens when that anxiety drives them to Jesus. It drives them to Jesus, the correct response, um, going to Jesus. So here we have verse 22. Now it came to pass on a certain day, uh, Luke chapter 8, verse 22. Now it came to pass on a certain day, That he went into the ship with his disciples, and he said unto them, Let us go over to the other side of the lake. And they launched forth. But as they sailed, he fell asleep. Jesus fell asleep. And there came down a storm of wind on the lake, and they were filled with water and and were in jeopardy. I don't know if you've ever been on a boat before, but water inside the boat is something you just don't want. A lot of water in the boat. And they, were, and they came to him and awoke him, saying, Master, Master, we perish. Then he arose and rebuked the wind and the raging of the water. And they ceased, and there was a calm. And he said unto them, Where is your faith? And they, being afraid, wondered, saying one to another, What manner of man is this? For he commandeth even the winds and the water, and they obey him. And they arrived at the country of the Gadarenes, which is over against Galilee. And when he went forth to land, there met him one of the city of a certain man, which had devils long time and wore no clothes, neither abode in any house but in the tombs. And when he saw, he cried out and fell before him with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of God, most high? I beseech thee, torment me not. For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man, for oftentimes it had caught him, and he was kept bound with chains and in fetters, and he broke the bands and was driven of the devil into the wilderness. And Jesus asked him, saying, What is thy name? And he said, Legion, because many devils were entered into him. And they besought him that he would not command them to go out into the deep. And there, and there, and there was there an herd of many swine feeding on the mountain. And they besought him that he would suffer them to enter into them, and he suffered them. He let them go into the to the pigs. Then went the devils out of the man and entered into the swine, and they ran violently down a steep place into the lake, and were choked. And they that fed the swine saw what was done. They fled and went and told. It in the city and in the country. Then they went out to see what was done and came to Jesus. Here we go. And found the man out of whom the devils were departed, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. So Jesus uh, calms the storms uh, that are, are in our life, the things that are happening. And um, he also can use those storms to draw us closer to him. If I, when I was uh, in college, there was a lot of you know papers to do, uh, a lot of books to read, a lot of work to do, and things like that. There's, it's almost like a storm. And uh, what happened was, is I found myself now that I look back at it, continually having to get on my knees and pray to God, asking for help, which is good. It was driving me to God. And uh, so we see that this man here, that he was, he, he was chained. Look at, for oftentimes 
It had caught him, and he was kept bound with chains and in fetters, and he broke the bands and was driven of the devil into the wilderness. He had chains, and he even may have uh, broke those chains. He broke those chains. But those were external, physical chains. He had stuff going on internally inside of him. And when Jesus cast that out of him, then he was sitting at his feet, and, um, and he was in his right mind. You see, the heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. Who can know it? It says in Jeremiah 17, 9. You see, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Let me turn to Ephesians chapter 6 because it gets, it gets more. I remember the first part. Galatians, Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of this, the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. You see, our problem is not, it talks about this in RU. So our problem is not our neighbor. Our problem is not a coworker. Our problem is, you know, not physical Our problem we can't see, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood. And then, well, how do we fight this battle? How do we fight this battle of the mind? What what is it that we do? Well, if if I go right here to uh, 1 Corinthians, actually, let me see, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 2. In verse 2 Corinthians 10, 4. Uh, actually, it's 2 Corinthians 10, 4. Excuse me. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Our weapon is through God. It talks about also in that other passage um, uh, that we just were at before, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood. It talks about taking the sword of the spirit. And then later on, it talks about the shield of faith. We have a shield to guard against these attacks that Satan uh, throws against, against these fiery darts that, the, that Satan hurls at us. And we have God's word, his word. And, and um, in Matthew, I believe it's four when he, chapter 4, when he's tempted of Satan in the wilderness... He, he, uses, he says, it is written. He uses God's word. He's memorizing verses. He has, he's fighting it with the word. And in 1 Corinthians 10.13, it says that there hath no temptation taken us, but such as is common to man. But God, God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way that ye may be able to bear it. Jesus wants you to love him with all your mind. We see in Matthew 22, Matthew chapter 22, and verse 37...
Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. Now, as I referred to earlier, there is a battle going on in the mind. There's anxious thoughts. There's devils whisper, you know, whispering into our ear, different thoughts that come in, into our mind. And uh, Paul mentions something about this battle in Romans chapter 7. So Romans chapter 7, verses 21 through 25. I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man, but I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh the law of sin. And the antidote for this is found in none other than Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Here, here is the antidote to the anxious thoughts, to the anxiety, to these things that are going on in our minds. It says, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. That's a promise. <laughs> he says, seek God, seek me, pray to me, read my word, get to know me, and I will supply all your needs. All these things I know you have need of. I know you have need of these things. Just seek me and those things will come. And now if I'm going to turn to Ecclesiastes here, chapter 4, verse 1. So I returned and considered all the oppressions that are done under the sun, and behold the tears of such as were oppressed, and they had no comforter. And on the side of the oppressor there was power, but they had no comforter. Now, if you are here and you're a born-again Christian and you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, then you have a comforter. What we talked about is the antidote. You pray to him. You seek him. You put him on your mind. And, and you do those things. And that will combat the anxious thoughts. That will expel the anxious thoughts, the cares. However, if, if you do not know him, then there is an, um, and on the side of the oppressors, there was power. It's like this. Most of you know about renting houses, and I'm almost finished. I got a couple of illustrations, and I got, um, so there, most of you know about renting houses. So if I rent a house, and I have a landlord that is not that good of a landlord, right? He's always asking for the rent, and even when it's not due, and he's always, you know, mentioning stuff about it. Uh, and then, not only that, but he wants to increase the rent. He sa you say, that I got a problem here. He says he's going to fix it. He never fixes it. He just keeps going about things like that. Okay? Now, now, that sounds like a bad landlord. That's a landlord. Now, what if you get, that house gets sold, and you get a new landlord? And you get a new landlord, and this landlord is great. You tell him he's truthful, he's honest, he keeps the rent the same price that he says he, that he, says he is, 
And not only that, but when you ask him, he fixes stuff. He, he responds to you. He communicates with you. That is what happens when you enter into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You see, the old landlord, which is Satan, is gone. He's gone. And now you have a new landlord, which is Jesus Christ, right? You have God the Father. And, and guess what? When you have that new landlord, which is Jesus Christ, and that old landlord comes back, well, guess what? If he asks for money, do you have to pay him? If he asks you to do something, do you have to do it? You don't have to do it because he doesn't own the house anymore. You're bought with a price. And Christ paid it all. And I will end, I will end with that. Thank you so much for your, um, for your attention and for coming. And happy